from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I use social media and a lot of kids to connect with random people around the world that have no meaning. And those connections, again, they do seem really hollow. So in reality, a lot of kids aren't prioritizing following people they care about. I myself, I'm still on social media, like apps. And I think that that's, that being said, it shows we need to have conversations regarding healthier usage. I love the idea of you guys being at that table, but I gotta say, mm -hmm. this table feels incapable of the demand <laughs> on it. You know, you listen to senators talk about tech issues. It's hard. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have any faith that this is something the American government is, is capable of dealing with right now? You know what, if you would have asked me that a year ago, I would have said absolutely not. I'm Sarah Fenske. Emma Lemke is on a mission. She wants to get teens and tech companies to pay more attention to the harm that social media can cause. She's formed an organization devoted to that goal. It's called Log Off. Now, plenty of groups seek to encourage young people to log off, but Emma Lemke has a true advantage in speaking to teens. She is one of them. Emma Lemke is 19. She started this organization while she was in high school in Birmingham. And today, she's a first-year student at Washington University here in St. Louis. Log Off continues to grow with a new lobbying arm to push its efforts in Washington. And Emma Lemke joins us today to tell us about it. Emma, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So Emma, since we're talking about social media here today, take us back to your childhood. Were you on all these platforms at an early age? I, I actually was. Um, ironically, a lot of my friends had it before me, and that was fifth grade or sixth grade. So I was the left, um, the one that was kind of left out. Um, so that pushed me more to want to get on the platforms. Did that feel like it was really impacting your social life? It, it really did, because I always asked myself, why are my friends opting to look down and keep their eyes down instead of looking up at me when we can have a plentiful, very fruitful conversation? Um, so with that being said, finally, I pestered my parents enough, just like every other, <laughs> every other child who wants social media. And I got social media, my first accounts, specifically Instagram and um, Twitter and Snapchat. I got that around sixth grade. Um, and that was really when I began to see my mental health deteriorate. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, I was spending four to five hours every single day on these apps, scrolling, following as many people as I could, because I really did buy into this myth of your social life can be fully kind of amplified if you go on these apps. You have this entire universe, this metaverse per se, of connections out there and they're waiting for you. I bought into that false narrative and that pushed me into these states of really t intense isolation. Mm -hmm. And as someone, as a young female, and both as a individual who has dealt with mental health disorders and anxiety disorder and OCD, I didn't understand that by entering these digital spaces, I was putting myself in opportunities where they could get worse. I was never warned that. Um, specifically body standards too as a young female, which a lot of young girls have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of research that's now mm -hmm. come out about Instagram and that this is really bad for young women in mm -hmm. particular. So you're just looking at, at good-looking people on Instagram and it made you feel bad? <laughs> exactly. When I first got on there, I remember I followed like Olive Garden to Kim Kardashian because it, it felt like the world was my oyster. Looking back, though, what that meant was a month from then, 
I would see these pictures of Kim Kardashian edited. Mm -hmm. And I would see that and try to impose that body standard on myself. Um, So that was a really, really dangerous kind of environment that I let myself into. And I think that a lot of young kids that do enter these environments do not have the tools or the education to know who are the people I should follow, what does a follow even mean? And I think we live in a society where a follow is pretty hollow, when in reality it should mean something more. Connections should, even in a digital landscape, have more meaning and substantive um, material based on them. So if you had maybe followed somebody, I'm trying to think of an example of something that would be helpful on Instagram, somebody other than Kim Kardashian. Yes, exactly. I, you know what? A lot of people that come to log off and that I've talked to later on in my digital well-being um, environment that say social media helped me is when they say, I found a community. Hmm. I found a community where I felt isolated and I felt as though I could not pursue that community in the real world, but that digital landscape allowed me to connect. So for instance, I was um, part of this amazing opportunity to be in a Jubilee Media video episode on YouTube and I met my friend Alex and he met an entire community of trans kids on social media. He had that and social media provided it for him. And I think that is when social media was used as a tool. The issue is now, I use social media and a lot of kids to connect with random people around the world that have no meaning. Mm -hmm. And those connections, again, they do seem really hollow. So in reality, a lot of kids aren't prioritizing following people they care about, following the content that will make them happier. A lot of kids I see from my perspective and from what I have really dealt with follow people because they think that that's what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. I felt as though I should follow Kim Kardashian because... That's how I was going to stay in the know with what's happening in like the celebrity world in L.A. In reality, I didn't need to do that. I needed to follow mental health organizations. I needed to follow body positivity accounts. But again, social media is not built to only follow those types of accounts. And I imagine once you follow Kim Kardashian, it's suggesting, oh, you might like this account. And this is oh, another yeah. reality TV star with a fake body. Oh, exactly. The algorithms are incredibly tight and incredibly individualistic. Um, you can go through as a young female. I remember I used to do these little studies. Um, I should have known at that point that I was into digital well-being. <laughs> but I would go off of Instagram for a while and then I would go back on but only look at specific things. I would only look at, per se, I'd look up diet, how to restrict calories. Mm -hmm. And from that one video, every single suggested video that I got from there was further, it further discussed how to restrict calories, how to get the perfect body, how your workout schedule can improve your your emotional well-being. Again, all of these things that when put together create an image that can lead to eating disorders, that can lead to really harmful habits. So that's when algorithms really come to play in perpetuating these incredibly dangerous environments for children. And that's largely why I pursued Log Off and I pursued Technically Politics and all these digital well-being organizations that I'm a part of now is because I understand that while those, those algorithms can perpetuate dangerous situations, we need to discuss how we can push for safer, more humane algorithms because we live in a society where you can't put the genie back in the bottle. There's no way that we're going to go back to a space, in my opinion, where social media is not going to be the most you know, used space to connect with other people. So how can teens right now, members of society that have dealt with social media the most, that it's been baked into the DNA of their generation, how can we take our stories and our testimonials and then push to have that, those safer spaces created because we are the ones that truly understand our own needs 
and we do have that really, really unique perspective that older generations don't have, specifically generations that are in power right now to regulate. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in one of those generations, right? Like I came up in Gen X and it was like a mm-hmm. big deal when I finally got a smartphone, <laughs> you know? Like before that, I could just be blissfully ignorant of what exactly. was going on. And I tell you, I really wish, I, I feel sad that you missed out on this because mm-hmm. it was a great time. Oh, no, yeah. I, I talk with my co-founders all the time. I wish that I knew a time when I could be bored mm. because now, you know, my mom would say I used to like, jump off the roof with an umbrella playing Mary Poppins with my siblings. And that's so outlandish to me. Because, I, one, I can't even imagine having that time to just think of those creative outlets and to think of doing that because I have something right next to me at all times to grab and go to when I'm bored, when I'm detached, um, or when I just need something to do. So as a generation, we've really lost the ability to engage in boredom and then through that boredom work on like developing our creativity, which is a really sad phenomenon that I've seen occurred. Yeah. I mean, boy, everything you say is like hitting so hard. And I'm like, this this is so important. So what can we do about it? You've talked about um, how log off needs to, you know, you're working towards trying to make sure that the teens mm-hmm. have these safe spaces mm-hmm. online. You can't just say everybody needs to log off 100% exactly. of the time. Mm-hmm. So what is what is a change you'd like to see to how these companies operate or these platforms operate? And that's a great question. And going back to your point, I agree. There's no way that I could ever expect any every teen in the world or every user to log off. Um, and I myself, I'm still on social media like apps. And I think that that's that being said, it shows we need to have conversations regarding healthier usage. We need to have conversations, like you said, regarding how can we make these safe, these places safer so that each individual can make that decision and can put in those levels of friction between themselves and addictive algorithms. What I really want to see and what I've been working on with Technically Politics and my advocacy work is getting teens at the table to discuss regulation. Because I think that right now what is happening is there's so much talk, especially after the Facebook whistleblower, Mm -hmm. about needing these safer spaces, needing regulation, because it is way too much of a burden to put on the individual to an extent to fight against these algorithms and these negative consequences of social media. So how can regulation that is in play get teen voices in the mix to really understand the needs of the users and the kids that it's most negatively affecting. That being said, you know, um, with Technically Politics, Eliza Copens and I, my co-founder at Brown, we've been going around and collecting video and audio testimonials, going up to people and saying, hey, here's a a piece of chocolate for a two-minute interview. And any college student, I will tell you, will say, okay, free chocolate, I'll do that. And what we've learned from those testimonials that we've recorded is what kids want to see, how they've been affected by social media, And then from there, we're just uplifting those voices to provide a space for them to go towards legislators. So we're Mm. compiling those videos um, to to be able to send to congressional staffers, to be able to send and really push as a lobbying campaign um, to get teens in those regulatory spaces. So what we're looking for is really to engage with communities, schools, and parents, and anyone else who wants us to help get those stories put them together so that we can create this narrative that teens are not just passive victims, but they can be active participants. We're talking today to Emma Lemke. She is the founder of Log Off. She was the CEO uh, for quite some time of that organization, quite some time in the context of her <laughs> 19-year-old life. Um, and now there's a new lobbying arm of that. That's technically politics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what you're really pushing now. You're, you've sort of stepped back mm-hmm. as CEO of Log Off. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you step back from that? You know, that was a very difficult decision for me because it was something that meant 
the the world uh, to me. During COVID, that was my outlet. Um, whenever I got down and I just didn't want to be in any digital space, I'd say to myself, I will be in these digital spaces. I'll be on a Google document. I'll jump on, I probably jumped on over 200 calls with teens and um, digital well-being advocates from around the globe because that is a like a useful way to use social media and to push an important conversation to me. That being said, all of that passion really allowed me to see that if LogOff is a teen-led organization, it needs to remain in the hands of a high schooler. The, the teen that is really at the heart of the teen experience is just living in high school, going through it. So as um, a 19-year-old, you almost felt like you'd lost yes. touch with the, the things that 14-year-olds were dealing with. Exactly. And, and I said to myself, you know, I, I don't want to take this organization down with me. I think it, it needs to have this afterlife because it will continue to have impact. And kids and, and users are going to struggle and want to have these conversations. So how do I do that? I need to pass those reins down. And then, you know, what I said to myself after I passed the reins down was, okay, well, what am I most passionate about? I'm not going to leave this space. This means way too much to me. And as a political science major at WashU, I said, okay, political science, I want to go um, to law school. So let's look at the legality and like the legal system and, and how really things are being passed and moved and how legislation is being enacted. And then what I saw was, oh, it isn't being enacted. Like yeah. regulation is so it's so lacking in the United States, um, especially when you look at the moves that are happening right now in the EU. So I, I got on a call with um, one of my my co-founder now, Eliza Copens. Um, we both had a passion for digital well-being. We both were going to college. She's at Brown right now. And we just came up with this idea for Technically Politics to be a youth led lobbying campaign to take teen testimonials, create these episodes um, we have our first episode out that we're about to release. Um, and then from there, push that and use that to get teen voices into regulation. And then also what we're going to do on the website is create these like advocacy toolkits where teens can engage or and or parents. And it will have an email template that they can put their name on and send. Mm -hmm. It will have all of these different resources, the videos, um, hopefully graphics and flyers and ways to table and interview teens in your local community. It will have all of those resources so that this grows beyond just us because we really do want to see this ripple effect across colleges, across high schools, across middle schools. Because that's only when we're going to see this impact really take place and that's only when we're going to see teens be allowed at that table. So this seems huge, and I, I love the idea of you guys being at that table, but I gotta say, mm -hmm. this table feels incapable of the demand <laughs> on it. You know, you listen to senators talk about tech issues. It's hard. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have any faith that this is something the American government is, is capable of dealing with right now? You know what, if you would have asked me that a year ago, I would have said absolutely not. From, from listening to Again, like you said, senators try to explain social media. Yeah, it, there's there's they no don't grasp. There is no grasp. And again, it took me a second to sit back and say, okay, why is there no grasp? It is not out of a lack of caring. It is not out of a lack of not wanting to take action. I truly think it is them not being able to understand the needs of a generation so different from them, mm -hmm. so hyper-connected to one another through these devices and social media. Um, and again, not understanding that social media can be both a tool for expression and a tool to really harm its users. So when I understood that, I said to myself, okay, things can be done. What has to happen is teens have to be able to get to them, to have those conversations, to basically brief them and say, this is what's happening. Like, let me try to explain this to you. You gotta start with that education piece. Exactly, education is so imperative in that equation. And I, I looked around and I said, no one is doing it. 
you know what? I don't have log off right now. I want to be that person doing that. I want to at least do everything that I possibly can to let those senators understand what it is like to be a teen so that they stop asking questions that don't need to be asked and they start asking important ones to push regulation that will actually benefit teen users. And so you've got these videos uh, that are going to be a big mm-hmm. part of this, testimonials. Um, in our final minute here, it mm-hmm. feels like, you know, the video is kind of something that's designed mm-hmm. to go viral. It works exactly. really well on social media. Is there some irony here that you're going to fight the bad part of social media on social media? There is, but I also think that that really hones in on the fact that social media is this multifaceted entity. It shows that, yes, there are so many negative consequences of being on it. My mental health was harmed. I had increased anxiety, um, increased depression. But also, sometimes I go on social media and I meet these teens and these teen advocates that care about pushing regulation, too. And it shows that there really there is this duality and there is this multifaceted nature of social media that is just innate in its creation. Um, And again, really, we want to use the beast that's harming us to be able to push forth things that will make the spaces better and will actually tilt that scale towards its benefits rather than its harms. Well, Emma Lemke, I love this mission. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Emma is the founder and former CEO of LogOff, and she's the co-founder of Technically Politics. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.